Thanks for visiting with us. If you're listening online, um, thanks for listening. Your next step may be to come join us. It's a fun place here. Um, if you're visiting with us and you're on the campus, thanks for getting up and, and coming here. Um, if you've got a chance this morning to, uh, to kind of get a deep breath, then you're probably in better shape than me. Um, it's been a crazy day um, just trying to get ready for the service. And so uh, before, we, uh, before we get going this morning, I want to do what we do every week. And um, if you're visiting with us, if you're listening online, this is a great thing for you to do too. Even if you're not sure about God, there, there are those in this room that, that are kicking the tires on the God thing. So if you're not sure about it, you're in the right place. We believe that if you just keep digging, you'll find what you're looking for. And so you're in the right place, even if you're not sure about the whole God thing. But you know what? What we, what we know about God is that um, He will not yell into our lives. He won't speak loudly into our lives. He could if He wanted to, but He chooses to speak quietly, which means we have to turn down the junk in our lives, the noise in our lives we have to turn down so we can hear Him. And that's very intentional. That's what He wants us to do. So that's what we do every week. Nine years I've been here, we've been doing this every Sunday for that because it may be one of the most important things you do during your week is turn down your own life, so that you can hear from your Creator today. So even if you're not sure you believe in God, you know what, this is, this is a good time for you to just take a test, just take a, just take a moment, a break, and say, God, would you speak into my life, and would you quiet the thing? So it never actually gets perfectly quiet in this room. Um, we have kids, we have all kinds of stuff going on, but we're going to take a moment just to kind of get quiet and ask God to speak into our lives and quiet our lives a little bit. Um, and I need that today too. And then once we get that done, then I'll, I'll pray for us and I'll jump right in this morning. Let's just take a moment to get right with God today. God, in the midst of a semi-quiet room, we just stop to remember the things that are important. And Maybe hearing the baby's voices is part of what you intend for us to hear this morning. Would you take all the things that we've moved up the priority list in our lives that shouldn't be there, and would you drop them back down right now? If we had a remote control for our lives right now, we'd hit pause, God, and just ask you to reorder things in our lives. Whatever we brought in, whatever we've got going on. And God, I'm just going to ask you right now for myself, in front of all these people. You know I have no business standing on this stage and talking to anybody about being good. First, would you make it not about that this morning? And second, God, would you make me worthy of standing up here and saying these important things today? God, I pray that you would soften the hearts of those in this room who will be offended by this message today. And there will be some. God, I pray that you would, in the midst of our listening, that you would do something that is more important than any, anything else we can get from life. More important than any book we can read, anything we see on Oprah or Dr. Phil. That you would do something so profound in us that it would change our very existence. And we're ready for that. Would you speak into us now in your son's name? Amen. I'm a third week into a sermon series, and I already hate this name. Zach will know why. Um, we, uh, we've got a sermon series right now called Game Changer. And the truth is, this, this is a little bit of a, a 
poking fun at the corporate world. We, I do a lot of work for the corporate world, and there is always this sense that corporations think that their, whatever their product is or their service is is a game changer in the industry. You know, it's going to change everything. And, and it, during this series, I, I can't think of a better title, truthfully, for this series. And you'll, you'll know why. If you haven't been here, you haven't been listening, you can listen online. Um, we are at uh, New Life Paragon. Dot org and uh, all of the sermons are out there and if you haven't heard up till now you need to listen to get caught up a little bit I'm not going to reiterate everything I've said but we are going to jump back a little bit and there's all kinds of uh, philosophies there's all kinds of ways that people talk about the message of Jesus but today I, I, I told Risha this last night before I went to bed um, and I, I don't think she's ever heard me say this I'm not sure I've ever said this before but as I went to bed last night I said if somebody told me that I had one sermon to preach and then I'd have to shut up, which, please don't tell me that. But if I only had one more sermon to preach in my life, this would be the topic. Today's message, today's scripture, would be the sermon that I would preach. I believe this answers a lot of questions. I, this this sh- will share with you today the way I understand Jesus and the way I understand what, it, what he has intended for us to do and also, I think, the misunderstandings that come from it. So I'm excited about that. And as we talk about game changers, I was thinking this morning, about uh, a game changer in my life on a much smaller level. When I, when I was a kid, man, and we still do, we, we catch a lot of fish in my house, and we've fished since I was a little tiny boy. And if you've heard my dad speak here, you've, you know that's mostly what he talks about. Um, but we love to fish, and since I was a little tiny guy, too early in my life to even hold a fillet knife, I, really, I've been filleting fish. And, and my, my dad, I feel like, felt like one of the things in his life was he had kids, he had sons, so that they could clean the fish at the end of the day. You know, you're tired, you're exhausted. And we'd come back, and that'd be the job. And about the time you pull in the driveway, you go, oh, my gosh, why did we keep all those fish? You know, and, and the ones that you thought were keepers at the time seemed really small and stupid to clean, you know. And so we, we'd lay them out on the table, and Mom would always complain about the smell. And we, we'd, we'd take one fish at a time with a fillet knife, and it would take us all evening. And I'll never forget the game changer when it came to fish cleaning for me in my life my brother got for his eighth grade in eighth grade at christmas time he got the very first family fillet knife that was electric an electric fish fillet knife and i thought well how big you know how big a deal can that be really you know it's just it goes real fast you know but how big a deal is that the first time i filleted a fish with this thing i thought jesus was coming back right then Oh, this is going to save me hours of my life. And I'll tell you what, fish cleaning has never been the same for me since. If we, can't, if we don't have the fillet knife handy or if I'm somewhere where I don't have it, I just think this is ridiculous that we have to do it without an electric fillet knife. And I never, if I'm cleaning fish, I never take it for granted, the electric fillet knife. And, and I can tell you today that this message is much more profound than that. But it's not unlike that in a way, that we get to, we get to church, we get to Jesus, we get to this whole message that, that comes from God. And, and we go, you know what, I think I got this thing figured out. I think I know what this is. If I just, and many of you feel this way today, if, if I just show up at church on Sundays and, and every now and then do something nice for somebody, then God will start to feel okay about me. And that's all I really want from my life is to God to feel okay about me. I'm not really sure I understand it, but as long as God feels okay about me, things should be good. And we start to play this game with God. And then comes a time in our life where you, you have an epiphany. It's the electric fillet knife moment. This moment where you go, well, maybe that's not what God intended. I prayed for you this week, and not by name, but I prayed for anybody who would be listening to this online, a lot of people listening online, and anybody who would be in this building today, that this would be your epiphany today. 
that you would walk out of here and go, oh my gosh, that changes everything. Because here's the thing Jesus came to do. He came to change everything. And the arrival of Jesus signaled something entirely new that God wanted to bring to earth. Now, the way we treat it is that Jesus came to to kind of make some changes to the way the system was set up. And when Jesus came, it made some new changes. But the truth is, what Jesus said, and what all of his followers were to say after that, is that Jesus didn't come to make something old better. He came to get rid of the old and bring an entirely new thing. And if you'll listen today, and you'll listen with your head and your heart both, I believe you'll be really thankful for that entirely new thing. See, when Jesus came, there was a model that still exists in our churches in sort of weird, deluded ways. And this model is, is what I'm, I'm going to call today, for be- lack of a better term, a temple model of God. It's this idea that there are sacred places. If you've ever heard somebody say, this is the house of God, we sing that in our songs and we say that, your grandma probably don't, told you not to run in the house of God. That is left over from the temple days, that somehow God lives here. And somehow this is God's house. And the truth is, God said, when Jesus came, he began something brand new. And no longer did you have to go to a place where God was, but you, you, the person sitting in the pew right next to you, is more sacred than any piece of ground or any piece of dirt or any piece of wood and steel that has ever been created. Now God has said, no more sacred places. It's sacred people. It's the hearts of people where I'm going to dwell. In fact, he says that your body is a temple. He also says at this point in history there was sacred text and there was these sacred men and they were always men. (laughs) They were always men who said sacred things and you had to go find these men who were saying these sacred things and you had to come to them and you had to ask them to go between you and God so that you could get right with God and Jesus came to say no more of that. In fact, when Jesus died, when Jesus died, the, t- the curtain that, that existed in the temple between the Holy of Holies and, and uh, the rest of the people, it, it split in two. And it was Jesus' symbol that no more sacred men, no more sacred men, and no more sacred texts, and no more sacred places. Jesus had something brand new. Check out Jesus' model. Jesus' model was a new relationship with God. It was a brand new relationship with God. He came into a group of people who had these secret, these, these sacred places and sacred people that you had to go to if you wanted to be right with God. Some of you came in today and you had a bad week. And by a bad week, you mean you messed up. One way or the other, whatever you consider messed up. And you came to church today because you felt like you needed to get right with God. But if you would have come years and years and years ago, 3,000 years ago, if you would have gone to a place to get right with God, you'd have had to bring with you a really nice, pretty lamb of some sort. Or a pigeon or a goat or something that you can sacrifice. Because a blood sacrifice, when Jesus came, when he first arrived, a blood sacrifice was how you would get right with God. Jesus said, no more. No more of that. No, he said, I've got one command. At this point in history, there were 650-some, 630-some um, Old Testament laws that people were com- keeping one after another. And Jesus said, I'm condensing them to one. <laughs> love God and love the people around you. He did some pretty amazing things, and he started a new movement. And when he did, it did a few things I, I, I wanted to make sure and mention to you, so I put them up on my slide today. Um, go ahead, Tanya, one more slide there. The temple model, this temple model we're talking about, was built around a standard that only the elite could meet. 
This was a standard that only elite people could meet. The richest of the rich, the churchiest of the churchy could meet this standard. They would, they would, uh, they would create these laws. And by the way, anytime men create rules, they do this. People, when people create rules, they create only the ones that are easy for them to keep, you know. And then they love to point at people who aren't keeping them. That's what, the, that's what men do with their rules. And, and what happened was Jesus came and he said to all these religious people, you know what, I came to get rid of those rules and to create a new rule. And, and I came to raise the bar, basically. And Jesus raised the bar and he looked at these guys and he would say, you've heard that it would said, and these are all guys who memorized the Bible and memorized the laws and the rules. And he looked and he would say, you've heard it was said that you shouldn't commit adultery, right? And all the righteous men would go, yeah, yeah, I don't commit adultery. And Jesus said, well, I've come to tell you that even if you look at a woman wrong, even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. And all the guys go, what? Wait a minute. That's a whole new thing. Jesus said, yeah, I'm raising the bar. I'm going to raise the bar here. It used to be that you could get away with looking at a woman however you wanted her. As long as you didn't have, adult, uh, have intercourse with her, you, could, you would not have adultery with her. But Jesus said, I'm raising the bar. He said, and, and you've heard that one about murder, right? And the guys go, yeah, well, at least we haven't done that. Jesus go, yes, you have. You've heard that it was said that you, you shouldn't murder, but I'm telling you, if you were angry with your brother, it's like murder. You've murdered them. <laughs> These people go, Jesus, nobody could live up to your standards. Jesus said, exactly. He, became, he took the elite and the rule makers, and he made the playing field equal for all of those people who are broken. So if you're here today and you feel like, man, I'm a bad person, I'm not a church person, I'm not a Christian, I've got all these things going on in my life, you know what Jesus would say? You're right, and you're on the same playing field as the preacher. You're on the exact same category as everyone else. Jesus said, and I I wrote this so I'd be very careful how I say it, Jesus um, came and raised the standards so that no one could meet it. And then he offered himself as a sacrifice so that we could be right with God through him in spite of the fact that we can't meet the standard. The temple model required followers to come and make peace with God. That's the way the temple model used to work. When Jesus came, people would have to go and make peace with God every time they felt bad. Jesus came and said, follow me and you will be at peace with God. Just follow me, and you'll be at peace with God. Then what God wants from you is different than it used to be. Instead of coming to church or coming to God and going, how are we doing? How are we doing, God? You know, you've done this. God, how are we doing? What if I do this? If I do this, can, am I okay? And I, I know you really want me to live like this, but what if I live like this? Are we okay then? Instead of doing that, because that's the way the temple model works, Jesus said, no more of that. You're good. Now, what God wants from you is this. You get right with the people around you. You live differently with the people around you. What used to be measured, the way you measured your relationship with God was vertical. Now the way you measure your relationship with God is is horizontal. It's how you treat the people around you. The temple model was nation specific. It was for a group of people. Jesus came and said, no more nations. In fact, he said some really offensive things to people. Like, no more male, no more female. (laughs) Men, you can't treat women like you used to. Huh? Yeah. So and here's the problem, and here's where I want to go today with this message. That Jesus came to create something brand new. But what we've done is taken a little bit of the temple model and mixed it with a little bit of the Jesus model. And it infiltrates and dilutes the message of Jesus. And this is why, if you're sitting here today and you hate church, or you're listening on, online and you hate church, 
My guess is the reason you hate church isn't because Christians love Jesus. It's because you've been mistreated by somebody who claims to follow Jesus. Because they've mixed the temple model, God, are we okay, with the Jesus model. And the problem is, the two don't mix. You know, we've all developed a conscience in our lives. We've all developed this thing. And the way you were raised and the way religion is presented to you fine-tunes your conscience. I'll tell you what I mean by this. When I was in high school, I had friends who were Catholic. Really good friends who were Catholic. And I got to know them, and I got to know their religion, and I got to really respect a lot of the things they believe. But one of the things that was always weird to me is if they felt like they were doing something wrong, they couldn't just go to God and say, God, please forgive me for that. They had to go to someone else confess what they had done, and let that person tell them what to do. And that felt like really strange to me, but it was part of their religion, it was part of their conscience, it was part of the way they were raised, and no matter what I said, that's the way they feel. And then they would look at me and they'd say, so, um, and, and I couldn't believe that they all, they all drank a lot at that point. Their, their parents drank, the kids drank even some, and they would even drink at church, at communion. They had, they had alcohol at church. And, it, they would look, and I would look at them and go, I can't believe you have alcohol. They would say, well, well um, and, and I know this is a hot topic. I'm not going there today. But they would say, well, well John, why, don't, why doesn't your family drink? And I would say, well, it's just, it's just not okay. <laughs> like, that's the way I was brought up. You know, like, you just don't, Right? And then they would say, but, but didn't Jesus turn water into wine? And then I said this, a lot of Christians say this, but it wasn't real wine. <laughs> what? What, what? And, and, I, and I'm not getting into that today. Please, I'm not getting into that. But here's what I'm saying. That the way I was brought up and the way my friends were brought up did something to our conscience. And it began to change the way we see the world and think about the world. And that's why today some of you are going to be offended by some of the things I say. And that's why at this point in culture, the people who were offended most by Jesus were religious people. The people who Jesus would come in and say, don't do that anymore. And they go, but my dad did that. Jesus said, don't do that anymore. I know it was good then. It's different. Something has changed. I've come to do something brand new. So I'd like to ask you today to open your mind a little bit. And this could be really hard. In fact, if you're coming, if you're going to listen to my message, the end of my message today, and if you're here next week, um, <laughs> there could be a moment where you decide you don't like me anymore. And I hope that's not true, but I, I, I'm, I'm that dedicated to this message today. And what I'd like for you to do is, and I prayed for you all week, that you would open your mind, that, that you would let Jesus' words speak over some of the things that may have been built into you from the temple model from an early age. So at this point in history, Jesus comes and he starts this brand new thing and all these little churches and all these people start rising up who decide they're going to live this way and when they do, it changes everything. And I mean it changes the communities, not like we change our communities where we feed people, which is changing our communities and it's wonderful, and not even like where we, we do these nice things for the community, but people who, were, who used to be far from God would come knocking on doors of people who were Christ followers and say, how do I live like that? How do I love like that? Because you guys, it's not what you believe, it's not what you say, it's not how you live your life. It's this love that you have for each other. That's what I want. Jesus said, that's how people will know you're my disciples, and that's what I want from you. And these little places started rising up, and a man named Paul, his, actually his name was Saul at first, had decided he was going to kill Christianity completely. And when he, when he decided that, he was on the road one day, and God knocked him off his donkey, which some of you need to be knocked off your donkey today, I think. I won't go any further with that illustration. But, but some, we get so pointed in the right direction, we think we know exactly where we're going and what we're doing, and then God goes, uh-uh. And this is what happened to Paul. 
And Paul, at that moment, he understood. In fact, Paul is one of the reasons you're sitting here today. Paul is one of the reasons that that Christianity started growing and started moving throughout the culture. Because he got the message of Jesus, and he was so frustrated and mad, and even to the point where you're going to see today in some of his letters, he was even to the point of almost like tearing something apart. Because people could not understand that Jesus did not come to take a little bit of the temple model and a little bit of his ideas and mash them together. He came to get rid of one idea and bring a new idea in. And when he did, it started offending people. So Paul came to the rescue. I'm not going to get too deep into it. Paul was part of the temple method from the beginning. This is who he thought God wanted him to be, and he spent a lot of time doing that. He fully understood the Jesus model, and he went to a place called Galatia. Um, And he wrote a letter to that church later that we're going to read in just a bit. Um, But he started these little churches, and he would start these places, and people would start loving each other, and the communities would start changing, and it was amazing. And they would start raising up all the time. And then Paul would go on, he would get on a ship, and he would go somewhere else, and he would continue the message and continue creating churches. And so after he left Galatia, he found out that somebody else, another group of people that he calls the Judaizers, would come in and they would create a different message. Now, at this point in history, the people who followed Jesus and Jesus himself were Jews. They were Jewish. And one of the things Jews did, part of their tradition, part of the temple model, was an act called circumcision. Okay? Now, that got your attention, didn't it? In fact, many, all, all Jews were circumcised. Jesus would have been, and all of his followers would have been circumcised. Paul didn't have anything against circumcision, but when Jesus came, he said, no longer do you have to be circumcised in order to, to have the favor of God. And the, after he left Galatia, somebody came in and started telling the Christians, Paul didn't tell you all the whole story. He didn't tell you the whole story. In fact, what you have to do is you have to become Jewish before you become a Christian. So those of you men who are Gentiles, who weren't Jewish before, those of you men who haven't been circumcised, you're going to have to be circumcised as grown men. Now, Paul, this made Paul so mad. Now, not because he was against circumcision. He was circumcised. In fact, many of you men are circumcised. Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going there today. Man, that scared you for a minute, didn't it? That really scared you for a minute. Um, but, but the whole thing with circumcision, Paul didn't have anything against it. It was the principle, because what they were doing was saying, this old thing that's left over from the temple model, we're going to infuse it into Jesus' new thing. And it made Paul so angry. Check this out. Paul writes to the Galatians. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, if you're following along. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. I promise I won't spend this much time on every piece of Scripture, but I want to read that again for a second. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I want to to stop here for a minute. Because if you, and I wrote it here, if your version of Christianity doesn't look like freedom, you're doing it wrong. If your version of Christianity doesn't make you free, There's something wrong with your version of Christianity. I know this is offensive. But if the version of Christianity that you're imposing on the people around you doesn't make them free and feel like freedom, you're doing it wrong. And Paul was serious about this. 
He was so serious about this that he, he became angry at times. And he says, to those people who have gotten this message that somehow God wants to take the old temple model and the rules involved and add them to Jesus' new model where you, you follow him and you love people. He says, you're just taking on the act of a slave again. Next slide. So as he goes on, he says, mark my words. The big exclamation point. The Greek didn't actually have exclamation points. In English, we put this in later just to show the emphasis. Paul, he says, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the entire law. Uh, let me explain this to you now because this makes so much sense if you think of it in this term. Say just for a moment that you really liked me and you really liked the church and you decide you want to do something nice for me and my family. So you came one Sunday, and this happens around Christmas every year. You came one Sunday and you brought me a gift card to my favorite restaurant for $100. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying, just for a case of an illustration. You brought me a gift card for $100. And you gave it to me, and you said, John, I just want to thank you for what you do. I want to thank you. I just love you, and I want to give you this gift. And I would say, you know what? I can't take this gift from you. It's a $100 gift card. Let me give you 75 bucks for it. And then well, I, I still get a $25 discount, and it's all good. And you go, no, John. This is a gift from me and my family to you. And I say, yeah, but, I, but it can't be like a full gift. How about 50 bucks? How about I just give you $50? You paid half. I paid half for my dinner. When I go to dinner, I'll think, hey, they paid half my dinner. No, John. And then I say, okay, all right, here's the thing. How about, I, I feel guilty about this, so let me give you $25 for this gift card. It's an amazing for me. Then you feel good, you get a little bit of your money back, and, and you go, okay, all right, I'll take $25. It, it's no longer a gift, is it? It's a discount. What Paul says is, if you, you, those of us who have accidentally merged the temple model with the Jesus model, if you go to God and say, God, I know that if, if I just follow Jesus, if I, if I believe his sacrifice in me, uh, his sacrifice was for me, and, and, and I'm, I'm moving in that direction. I am saved. I have got it. But, but, I, but what if I just give you this? What if I just do this? Can I earn it then? Can I earn just a little piece of that back? Paul says, this is not okay with God. The moment you start bargaining with God and earning the gift he gave you, you have fallen away from grace. Paul says it right here. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. By the way, you don't want to do that. <laughs> grace is that thing that you can't earn. Grace is that thing that's given to you that all you can do in return is accept it. That's the gift. That's the new thing that Jesus brought. <clears throat> Next slide. The following may be offensive. Warning. Galatians chapter 5, 6. Now, here's, here, this is really interesting. If you were to read this, if I were just to stand up on stage and say this to you and, and not put a piece of Scripture up there, if I, were, if, if I were to stand up and just tell you what this Scripture says, you, some of you would probably say you're not coming back to hear me preach anymore because you might call me a cult leader. You might call, this is straight from the words of Paul himself. He says this, for in, Christ, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Now, 
remember, this is not about the act of circumcision. This is one little thing. What, what Paul is saying is the laws, those things, those little things that you're letting hold you back and hold the people around you back. He says those have no value. And look what he says. The only thing. I know what you're doing in your mind. You're going, that's not true. There's more things. The only thing that counts. Yeah, but Paul, there are, there are 630 some laws in the Old Testament. You know, those are, no, the only thing that counts. But what about the Ten Commandments? Remember the Ten Commandments you're supposed to memorize? The only thing that counts, Jesus brought new. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And by the way, if you go back to the Ten Commandments, they're all about love. <laughs> It's either loving God or loving people. That's what they are. And Paul says, if you get this one thing right, Jesus would say later, all the laws hang on this one thing. If you get this one thing right, the rest of the stuff takes care of itself. But what we do, and I mean we, I mean Christian people who have pushed so many people away from the church that the very people who need to sit here today and hear from the hear this message, are laying in their beds because of the way we judge them and think about them and talk about them. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself. Through love. If you could live like this, it'd be a game changer. Jesus said, if you believe, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, you're in. But what we do is we go, yeah, but I was in and then I messed up again. So can I get in again? You're in. Yeah, but okay, I messed this thing up. So now what if I do this, this, and this? Two church attendants plus a servant back in kid's life. Will that do it? Jesus goes, stop it. And Paul says, stop it. Because every moment you make your relationship with God solely about the vertical, you have missed out on the reason Jesus came. You have missed out on the game changer for your life. And that is now, when Jesus came, it used to be measured by vertical. God, am I okay? Are we okay? Are we okay? Now God says, you want to be okay with me? You go treat the people around you differently. You go look at the person who has destroyed your family and you love them differently. You go take the money out of your pocket and give it to the people who need. You treat people different. That's the new thing. Paul knew this was dangerous. And this is why he made such a big deal of it. Next slide. Paul says, Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, you were running a good race. He's talking to to these people in Galatia who he left, and when he left them, they were doing the Jesus thing. And then somebody came in and they they started diluting it with the old rules, and and it was starting to get gross. And Paul says, you were running a good race. (laughs) And then he uses this thing, that I think is tied back to circumcision, circumcision, and I just won't get more graphic than that. Who cut in on you? I think it really is, I, as I've read it. I think he meant to tie it in. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And then he does this thing that many of you know the truth in your life and in your kid's life. He says this, a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. That single cell fungus in your bread. You know what it does? One single cell fungus will take over your dough and will infiltrate it. And he says, that's what a little bit of temple model will do to the Jesus model. 
It will dilute it. It will pervert it. It will mess it up. He says it only takes a small dose of the wrong thing to corrupt the whole thing. And this just makes me emotional. Because the truth is, I'm tired of the wrong thing. I'm tired of churches living in the temple model. I'm tired of being a part of it. I'm tired of reading it on Facebook and my name being associated with it. I'm tired of my life doing it. When I realize, oops, I've tied something to the temple model, I'm tired of it. And Paul says this is not just a matter of, hey, why don't I just do what my dad did? Or why don't I just do what we've always done? And what's the hurt in it? He says it will dilute the whole thing. And what you thought was 5% temple model and 95% Jesus will be swapped. And it will dilute it. And it will be worthless. Paul knew some things. Next slide. He knew that if this, got, if this happened, that it would dilute the message of Jesus and it would dilute this thing. And this thing that was a game changer in people's lives would start to get perverted and it would start to become benign. You know what benign means? It means just like, eh. And you know when you ask somebody at the church, in, around who's really hurting, I, this happens to me all the time. I'll be in Bloomington. And, uh, it happens with waitresses and waiters for some reason to me. I think it's because I love food so much. I just love food. It makes me emotional. And when the waiter comes and they're hurting, I often get in a conversation with them. And often I'll say, hey, is there a church next to you that you could get involved with? And there's this feeling like, meh. You know, meh. Paul says, yeah, that's what happens when you mix the temple model with the Jesus model. He said it's really dangerous too. Leaders become self-righteous. The leaders of the church start to feel like they get to choose who, do, who is right and who's wrong. They get to choose which laws, which Old Testament things that Jesus said he came to, to, uh, to fulfill, he, which of those we're going to keep up with on people. Hey, no tattoos. Really? Well, what about pork? Well, but that's different because Jesus came to get rid of that. Oh, well, what about tattoos? I'm not saying tattoos. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying we pick and choose. We pick and choose, and especially those who are leaders, especially the preacher up front. I get to preach about the things that I don't struggle with. I get to talk about the things that don't break me down so that you feel bad and I look good. Paul said, if we dilute this thing, leaders are going to get self-righteous. Have you turned on television on a Sunday morning and watched the preachers? I think he was right. Followers would become hypocrites. Paul knew this. Because you can't hold somebody to rules in your life. You can't do it. You can't judge somebody, point to them for what they're doing wrong, and and live a perfect life. You're going to become a hypocrite. And Paul knew that. He knew that. And so what is one of the number one reasons people resist church? Because the people there are hypocrites. They act like one thing and they believe another. They point at me for doing this and they're doing this. Paul said... That's because we've infiltrated the Jesus model with the temple model. Texts and rules become manipulated. And ultimately, and this is what breaks my heart the most, people get mistreated. In fact, women, I believe women are more mistreated in the church than they are outside of the church in most places in America. And I think it's destructive, I think it breaks God's heart, and I think it's exactly what Paul was talking about. 
Because somewhere men get to decide what women get to do and what they don't. And they hold people to temple laws and then they do whatever they want that are against those same temple laws in other places. And Jesus came to say there is no male or female. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. You're all free by the blood of Jesus. And if your faith, your Christianity doesn't look like freedom, you're doing it wrong. People resist the church not because Christians love Jesus, but because they, they mistreat those who don't agree with them. All right, I didn't mean to yell. Galatians chapter 5.13, here's what Paul says, because this is the next question, right? The next question is, so does that mean we can just live however we want? We can, we can do whatever we want then, John? Because that's what I'll get in texts and emails. I know I will. So what, so what John's saying is it's all hippie church now. We're just going to love each other and forget about the rules, right? I mean, I've actually gotten that in my emails. Hippie church. The truth is, no, I don't believe that for a second. Is this more simple than the temple model? Absolutely. But it is the most difficult way to live your life. So much easier to live your life pointing at people and keeping people to rules than it is to love people unconditionally and indiscriminately. And Paul says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Did you get that this morning? Okay. Did you get that? You're, not, you're, you're, you're free from the laws. You're free from the temple model. You're free from condemnation. You, brothers and sisters, stop trying to figure out how you can get right with God because you and God are good. Now shut up and go love the people in front of you because that's now how you measure it. But do, do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. So here's your answer. It's not all hippie love. It's not all hippie church. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. All the law. The way this reads in the original text is all the things that have come before. The 630 some odd rules that are in the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments. All of these things are encompassed in one new rule. One new thing that Jesus gave. And it is the one thing that Christians resist the most by and large. And that is loving people for no reason. Paul would say, love God, love people, and the rest is just details. <laughs> You've seen that, shirt. So today, I just want you to answer this one question. We, start a, we started this a couple weeks ago. We started asking this. Jesus came and he said, I, I know you've got all kinds of questions that you're asking yourself all the time. Am I okay with God? Is God okay with me? Did I do the right thing? Can I do something else? Can I, do I need to sacrifice an animal? Do I, need to, do I need to be circumcised? What do I need to do? And God says, we're good. Now, the one thing I want you to ask, and those of you who are mad at me today because I didn't talk about rules, please just don't listen to me, listen to God this morning. Just between you and God. The one question Jesus told us to ask every time is this. What does love require of me now? Guess what happens if you answer that question right? The rules are taken care of. The laws get kept. The people get, but in the long run, the most important thing is people get treated the way God intended for them to be treated. So, Zach and Gloria, you guys can come up if you want to. This is... Something we do every week here. We just 
This is just between you and God this morning. So during this time, I'm going to ask God to put this on your heart. I'm going to ask you, whether you believe in God or not, just to kind of, kind of take a deep breath and go, okay, how does this apply to my life? What am I going to take away from here? And, and I kind of wrote up a couple examples. The only thing I'm going to ask you to do and think about today is what does love require now? What does love require of me next? We're, uh, we're dog-sitting this weekend for a big, huge dog, and we're used to little wiener dogs, you know? We got this huge dog, one flap of his tail, and like takes off all the knickknacks on the tables, you know? And a huge dog, beautiful dog, and we, we really like him. But the truth is, he is he's just on, on kind of a, a, a bowl in our china shop in our house. I mean, we're just, we're just not used to him, and, and there's just something about him that's starting to really get on my nerves, you know? He's just got hair all over the place, and he has made some messes in the house, and big dog messes are a much bigger deal than little dog messes, if you know what I mean. And, and, and so we're dealing with all that this week, and, and last night I just had this moment. I'm writing this sermon, and I said, what does love require? And I looked over at this dog which is not the Paul's point. It's not Jesus' point. But I looked at the dog, and because I got the habit in me right now, I went, what does love require of me with this big mutt? And I grabbed his face, and I went, you're a good boy. And you know what? He was happy in his, his tail flap, but something changed in me right there, right then and there. And free from the anger, free from the frustration, even on that simple scale, you need to know today that God wants you to be free. Some of you, the only emails I get, the only Facebook posts I see are angry. You love Jesus and you're free, but somebody forgot to tell your face. And your blog posts and your Facebook. Jesus says, it's because you're not free. You've been constricted too long. I hope that some of you who've been Christians for 50, 60 years walk away from here today and go, what? It's a game changer. I'm free. You ever met somebody that just has that peace? That you, you walk, when you're around them, you just go, wow, I just, I wish I could be there. It's freedom. It's what you're missing. So he, what does love require of you? Maybe you say this. Maybe you say, well, it's legal. <laughs> it's legal. I can do it because it's legal. And Bible doesn't say anything about it. So I don't, I don't have to worry about it. But the bigger question, the more important question is, what does love require of you? Maybe it's, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. It was their fault. The issue is their issue. Oh, okay. All right. Maybe that's true. But what does love require of you today? Oh, it's consensual. You know what I mean by that. Some of you just got your toes stepped on. It's consensual. We both want, okay. Well, and I don't know what the Bible even really says. Okay, but what does love require of you today? And then how about this one? I'm going to say this one real fast and then jump off the stage. (laughs) I don't like people who think that way or live that way or believe those things. I don't like what they stand for. I don't like the way they live their life. I don't like the choices they make. I don't like who they choose to love. I don't like who they, what they act like, what they dress like. Okay. Well, what does love require of you? I promise it'll change your face. It'll change your life. It's a game changer. Those of you who've been doing church and doing religion and haven't been doing the Jesus model, today is a game changer. This message is the message of Jesus from 2,000 years ago. And today is that moment. So, Zach and Gloria are going to sing this song. 
really cool song um, called Future Past, and most of you don't know it unless you've been listening to the radio a little bit. Um, so here's what I, we often, you can, you're welcome to sing along with this, but man, they got awesome voices. And what I would love to do for, for you guys to do today is just to listen to them. Close your eyes if you need to, if, you want, if the words help you. But find a way that you can get with God, and even if you're mad at me today, even if you go, but John, that you forgot about the, whatever it is, don't make this about you and me and whatever I just said. Make this about you and God and go, God, what is it in me that you want to be free that isn't? And what does love require of me now? Ask those two things while you hear this song. You can sit right where you are.